We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is episode 22. We are going to be previewing the Gamecocks matchup Saturday night. The Gamecocks travel to College Station to take on the Texas A&M Aggies uh, at 7.30 at night on, on SEC Network at Kyle Field. Uh, we'll be breaking down everything with the game, the key matchups, the keys to the game, and making our predictions as always. But first, of course, if you do want to follow the show, be sure to check us out on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Be sure to go there, rate and subscribe. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like about the show. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback always. Also, be sure to follow us on our Twitter at Armchair S Car. That's going to be at Armchair S C A R. Check us out on Instagram as well at Armchair S Carolina. And this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair All Americans. ArmchairAllAmericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Be sure to go to ArmchairAllAmericans.com. Uh, for all the latest breaking Gamecock news, the podcast, of course, uh, and everything else with that. So with that being said, I'm your host, Chris Phillips. I'm joined, as always, uh, by my colleague, Tyler Clark. Tyler, how's your week going? Uh, how how are you doing uh, on this afternoon? I'm good. What's going on with you? Not much, not much. Just uh, ready for the weekend, for sure. We got a, we got a full slate of games this weekend we can get to uh, after we get to the uh, preview of the A&M game. There's a ton of good games this weekend. Um, so I'm excited, but setting the stage a little bit for this one. Like I said, the Gamecocks travel to Kyle Field uh, back on the road after being at home for two straight games. The Gamecocks travel a long, pretty long distance uh, all the way to College Station, Texas. It's a 7:30 at night kickoff, Eastern Time, 6:30 p.m. Central, which would be local for them. Uh, SEC Network televised um, the series history. A&M actually leads this one, Tyler. They lead the series three and zero. The teams have only squared off when the two have been in the SEC, uh, and this has actually been South Carolina's permanent cross-division rival, if you will, kind of one of the more unique cross-divisional rivalries in the conference. Um, last time they met, A&M last year beat South Carolina at Williams-Brice Stadium 24-13 to in what was uh, an interesting game, sort of a defensive struggle for South Carolina when they were going through their struggles with Brandon McElwain and Perry Orth. Weren't really able to get much going. The game started with fireworks, as we've talked about before, Tyler, with uh, A.J. Turner taking the opening handoff, 75 yards for a touchdown. Uh, but not much else after that. Um, A&M has had some pretty good success against South Carolina, including the the opening of the SEC Network in 2014, where uh, Kenny Trill, if you will, went off. And A&M uh, sort of started the – it was the beginning of the end of the Spurrier area, I guess you could say. But it, it nonetheless, 
Um, South or A&M comes into this game a nine-point favorite, and the over/under is set at fifty for the ball game Saturday night. Um, and that actually started, Tyler. I will say it started about fifty-five. It's dropped all the way down to fifty. So pretty interesting there. Um, Texas A&M, they're three and one on the year. Have wins over Nickel State, Louisiana Lafayette, and Arkansas. Uh, have a loss to UCLA, 45-44 in the opening weekend. I'm sure we all remember that thrilling game. Josh Rosen leading the the, uh, the Bruins back. Uh, beat Arkansas, like I said last week, though, in an overtime thriller, 50-43 to in Jerry World in Dallas. Uh, was an absolutely thrilling game, Tyler. I'm not sure if you were able to watch it, but um, Kellen Mond really showed out. We're going to get to him in a second. But it was an absolutely great game. Um, real lot of fun to watch. A lot of offense, obviously. So, um, scouting that, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> David Williams for Arkansas, huge game. Um, scouting the Aggies a little bit. They are coach, head coach by Kevin Sumlin, who, you know, Tyler is a little bit on the hot seat. Um, definitely, actually, definitely on the hot seat. Came into this season with, you know, his his athletic director and different people around the program, kind of chirping about him, chirping about, you know, the job he had done, and you know, needing to win the SEC West, needing to win ten games. You lose the opening game to UCLA. You have one of the, I think it was like board of directors or board trustees, something along those lines, someone involved with that, basically write a letter saying, you know, on, on Facebook saying you need to be, you need to be fired, you know, all this stuff. A lot of people coming at him. Um, that's cooled down a little bit because they've won three in a row. Um, however, he's definitely for sure still in the hot seat. He's in his 10th year, 10th year overall as a head coach. And this is sixth year at A&M. Um, he's 82 and 39 in, in 10 years as a head coach, 47 and 22 um, at Texas A&M. Um, so diving into Texas A&M just a little bit, uh, break them down. Uh, on the offensive side, they actually averaged 40.8 points per game. Definitely the games against UCLA and Arkansas helped that number with big numbers there. Um, 260.2 rush yards per game, 201 pass yards per game. And it all starts with freshman Kellen Mond at quarterback. Um, not exactly, I think, the guy they expected. A couple of injuries at the quarterback position. Um, have forced him into play, but he's done pretty well. Uh, 50 of 99, 649 yards, six touchdowns, two picks. Uh, but he had arguably Tyler's best game against Arkansas. He actually threw, uh, went 14 to 27 for 216 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, but had 10 carries for 109 yards. So safe to say um, he is a true dual threat quarterback, if you will. Um, Texas A&M led in the backfield by sophomore Travion Williams. They feature really a three-headed monster in the backfield, but led by Travion Williams. He's had 50 carries for 328 yards, four touchdowns. But his backup senior, Keith Ford, 45 carries for 232 yards and five touchdowns. Um, and they've also got a kid, sophomore Kendall Bussey. He's a real quick, uh, real speedster. Only had 20 carries total last year. He's got 33 already this year for 206 uh, and a touchdown. Um, at wide receiver, a name that I'm sure we're all familiar with. The Aggies are led by junior Christian Kirk, one of the fastest players in college football, definitely one of the most explosive. And he's off to a fast start this season. 19 catches for 251 yards. Already has four touchdowns in four games. So he he is off to a quick start. He's going to be Kellamon's favorite target all day long and for good reason. Um, behind him, they've got some talent. Freshman Jamon Osmond. Uh, 15 catches for 156 yards and a touchdown. And senior Damian Ratley, five catches for 156 yards, zero touchdowns. But Ratley's got some big play potential with the five catches for 156. But you can tell that Christian Kirk is definitely the go-to guy. I mean, why not? I mean, he's he absolutely explosive and one of the best players in the country. Um, on the offensive line, really big and physical group. You know, they feature a lot of experience up there, uh, able to open up those running lanes for them, obviously, with the big numbers they've been putting up. Um, on the defense – this is where things get a little interesting for Texas A&M. Um, they actually give up 30.8 points per game. 
114 rush yards per game and 300.5 passing yards per game to this point. Um, However, that being said, they have forced 11 turnovers this year, which is third most in FBS, something I was pretty surprised to read. It's pretty impressive. Um, On the defensive line, they lost Miles Garrett and Deshaun Hall, who I know that we're at least familiar with Miles Garrett, one of the – was he the top pick in the NFL draft? He was, was the number one overall pick. Number one, yeah, number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Um, but do have some experience returning. Daylon Mack leads the way. He's a really big force in the middle. Um, really, really big guy. Um, at linebacker, they've actually, Tyler, I was taking a look at the defensive stats. They've got 13 sacks on the year. Most of them have come from the linebacker position. Uh, led by sophomore linebacker Tyrell Dotson. He's got three sacks on the year, and their veteran Otaro Alaka. Um, he's their team's leading returning tackler with 74 tackles. Uh, he's He's got one sack as well. Um, but the leading tackler right now is the guy in the secondary who I think will be the leader of this defense, and that's Armani Watts. Um, he leads the team right now at 34 tackles. He's already got five tackles for loss and three interceptions. So he, he's been all over the field, definitely their leader on defense and uh, somebody the Gamecocks are going to have to keep an eye out for. Um, so with that being said, Tyler, let's break it down. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. Um Obviously, South Carolina has never beaten, you know, Texas A&M in their history, only played three games, of course. But I'm not sure if you've had a chance taking a look at this Texas A&M team. What do you see? What jumps off the page to you? Is there anything in particular that kind of, you know, you see when you first look at Texas A&M? You know, looking at this offense and the stats, I feel like this is the offense that we wanted South Carolina to have going into this year. They have, you know, the young quarterback, they have three running backs that, you know, have very similar stats. You got two guys that pretty much, you know, take the load. They have nine touchdowns combined, which is pretty much what we thought um, uh, Tyson Williams and Rico Dowdle would have so far this year. And then they have the other sophomore with over 200 yards and another touchdown, which we thought would be about right for A.J. Turner this far as this um, right now in the season. And then at wide receiver, they're also super young, like South Carolina is. And uh, Debo Samuel could could be compared to Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk's way faster than Debo is. Um, same same you know, playmaking type ability. It's really sure. similar. Yeah, exactly. And then the offensive line, you know, big and physical and lots of experience, was exactly what we were saying about South Carolina in the season. So I feel like this offense pretty much thought South Carolina would go head to head, and then. One points a game against the uh, the schedule that they've played against isn't uh, doesn't jump off the page, but eleven turnovers definitely scares me. Yeah, they definitely done a good job as far as on the defensive side with turnovers, sort of like South Carolina, like you were saying, being very opportunistic. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. You know, they had the terrible loss in the first game; they were up, I, I forget the score, like forty four to. 20 or 44 to 14, something crazy. They come – UCLA comes all the way back. Josh Rosen leaves the comeback, beats him. The, the fire on Kevin Sumlin is just, you know, full flames, full steam ahead for the fire Kevin Sumlin train. Uh, and then, you know, the next two games are even more head scratchers. They down 14 nothing in Nickel State in the fourth quarter, uh, come back and win that game. And the next week they play Louisiana Lafayette at home. Uh, they're down at halftime, eventually scored 24 straight points to win that one. But, uh, you know, before the Arkansas game, I mean, th- there wasn't a whole lot of positive momentum going on. And, um, you know, they finally were able to get the offense rolling, obviously, and were able to win that one in overtime. But it's it's this is an interesting team. It's sort of like a South Carolina in the sense you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, I, I mean, I surely don't know what to expect. I mean, I, I, 
you know, they've, they've shown sort of Jekyll and Hyde effect. I mean, like I said, look pretty good against Arkansas, but really, really have struggled. I mean, you could say the, say the same thing about South Carolina with Louisiana Tech. I mean, it's kind of no different, but um, they have really struggled. And, and though both those games were at home as well. Um, one of the big storylines, I think, Tyler, South Carolina, we talked about last, obviously coming from last season, but, you know, South Carolina has played at a neutral site. They've gone to Missouri. But this, to me, is truly going to be their first test in a hostile environment at Kyle Field. 100,000 people screaming at you. It's a huge, huge, huge stadium. That place gets raucous, uh, you know, with all due respect to Missouri. It doesn't. <laughs> so, you know, South Carolina, this is a place they struggled in last year. On the road, you know, at Florida, at Clemson. I, you know, granted, those were two of the best teams they played all year. But, you know, Dollar, I, I'm just really intrigued to see – how is Jake Bentley, this offensive line, this offense as a whole, and just this young team going to handle, you know, the hostile environment that is Kyle Field and College Station? Yeah, that's 100%. I think the most important thing going into this game is how Jake Bentley is going to, you know, compose himself throughout these first couple quarters. Because, you know, the first throws that we've seen out of Bentley so far this season and early in the game, you know, he's just off. And, and he's going to have to get on somehow in front of 100,000 people, you know, literally yelling at the top of their lungs at him. So, you know, that'll be really interesting to see the first drive. If uh, if South Carolina takes the ball like they have all year, um, it'll be super interesting to watch Jake. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think that's going to be – that's actually – we're going to get to it later, but that's going to be definitely one of my keys to the game is South Carolina needs to establish something on offense and try to take the crowd out of as much as possible. I mean, the last thing you want to do when you go into a place like this is give the crowd exactly what it wants and – you know, turn the football over or go three and out or give up a touchdown on their first drive, you know, stuff like that. Um, so it's going to be absolutely paramount. I think it's going to really start as well, you know, just getting the running game going too. I mean, I think this is a battle of two, you know, South Carolina hasn't been great running the football at all this year. And Texas A&M likes to run it as well with a mobile quarterback. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a real line of scrimmage game, you know, and I think if South Carolina can get some consistency and a stat, you know, establish a running game, keep Kellen Mond and that offense off the field, uh, I think it'll do, do do a lot of good for them as far as building that confidence and, you know, help the defense out, get some rest as well. So, uh, and kind of lulling that crowd, not so much to sleep, but sort of just, you know, keeping them at bay, if you will. Um, obviously, we talked about earlier, Tyler, Kevin Sumlin. I mean, he's on the hot seat. There's no other question. You know, he, even if he wins this game, there's a good chance he might get fired. If he loses this one, I, I think the pressures turn. I think the the heaters turned up to boiling, boiling temperatures. Um, I'll ask you how, how do you think the pressure on on Kevin Sumlin could affect? You know, I, I'm not sure how much it's really affecting the team, if you will. But do you think that the pressure that the hot seat that Kevin Sumlin is on? Because I think that they all know if he loses this game, he's he's pretty much guaranteed out. Do you think that has any effect on this game? No, I don't. Um, yeah, it obviously didn't have any effect on them against Arkansas. And we don't really know how good Arkansas or bad Arkansas is right now. I mean, the only the only game I've watched them play was, the, you know, the second half against Texas A&M and a, and a good bit of the TCU game. And I feel like they had, you know, a good chance in that TCU game. Um, that's really the only thing I've seen out of A&M. And, you know, if you lose to South Carolina, does it look that bad? I guess at home it does. But – I'd have to see the rest of their schedule because, I mean, it's hard. It would be hard to fire a guy like Kevin Sumlin halfway through a year. Well, you know, I don't think they'll fire him. I just think that, you know, I, I saw a good oh, article. You're just saying it only. Just, just in general for the season because, honestly, before the season, they were saying that, you know, he, he couldn't win basically less than 10 games or he'd be out. It's a win-now situation. And, you know, 
for Kevin Sumlin and Texas A&M to be nine-point favorites at home, if you were to lose that game to a nine-point, you know, nine-point underdog, I, I just I, I don't know how well it would sit with the uh, the faithful in College Station, Texas. But um, you know, I, I don't know that it'll really have that much effect on the game itself. Uh, A&M to me. They haven't even – even when they played close games, they haven't – you know, against the smaller teams, they haven't really played tight. They just haven't executed. I mean, sort of like South Carolina, like we were saying. And, you know, their, their quarterback is a freshman, and he's definitely showed – you know, he's played he, – you know, he's only completing right at 50% of his passes. You know, he, he's he's played like a freshman. There's no question about that. Yeah, I agree with you, though. You know, I watched that Arkansas game a pretty good bit of it. And, um, you know, we saw Arkansas against TCU, and, you know, now we look at TCU. They just beat Oklahoma State. That's a team that's on the rise and really good. And, you know, we don't know a ton about Arkansas, um, but, I mean, it was definitely a good win because I think if someone would have lost that game, this one would have been an absolute must win. But I know their schedule gets a lot harder. They've still got to play Alabama. They've still got to play LSU. Um, they, they, they've got a lot of yeah. tough games coming up. Mississippi State. I mean, they've got the whole West to deal with. So, so I, Do people really think that this team was capable of winning 10 games, though? Or do they just really not want Kevin Sullivan there? Because I don't feel like they're on paper, you know, at the beginning of the season, that's even capable. I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think they got some Kevin Sumlin fatigue for sure. But I really like Kevin Sumlin. Yeah, I do too. I, I mean, you know, I, we had talked about this. I had talked about this with, with Dimitri on our SEC podcast, The Congregation, and he basically had asked me about Kevin Sumlin. Do you think he'd be able to find another job? I said in a heartbeat. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. absolutely. He, he's a really good coach, and he, he's done really well at Texas A&M. a and is just the kind of place where, <clears throat> you know, they want to compete for championships, and you got your brother Texas on the other side of you that's got a – Tom Herman, and they're starting to kind of come on the rise, and there's just a lot of pressure. I mean, Texas football, there's just a lot of pressure there. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I definitely – I just think that they 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 sort of have to win this game uh, with all those tough ones coming up. I mean, see what happened at the beginning of the season, that their quarterback got hurt. Um, I know Jake Hubenak has come in a little bit and relieved. I forget who the starter was. Um, I forget his name because we've been focused on Mon so much. But anyways, Mon was forced in the role. He wasn't the preseason starter. And, I mean, they do have some talent on offense, obviously, with all those running backs, Christian Kirk. But, yeah, I, I mean, to think A&M was just going to come into the season and win 10 games was, I agree with you, a little unrealistic. But um, A&M, again, one of those teams we don't know much about. And, you know, segue in, we could say the same thing about South Carolina. Tyler, I, I'm really just con- not concerned, but I, I'm just interested to see what South Carolina team is going to show up because – of all the negative, you know, about what South Carolina did against Louisiana Tech and Kentucky, it's like people are forgotten what happened against NC State and Missouri. So it's kind of like, what do you think? Is South Carolina going through a little bit of a rut? Is this the team they really are? Like, are they showing us their true colors now and they were just hot in the beginning? Or do you think it's somewhere in between? I think it's somewhere in between. I, I don't think there is, you know, the 3-0 and team that, that all these fans came out of nowhere and, and thought they were. I don't think they're that. I don't also don't think that they're the team that played the first three quarters against Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, this game's going to be really interesting, and I think this will uh, this will really tell us, you know, where South Carolina's at. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I really do think this is going to be – this is going to tell us South Carolina a contender or a pretender, not so much a contender like to win the East or anything, but is this a, a team that's going to contend to maybe – you know, win seven, win eight, maybe, maybe even win nine, maybe win, win, win one they shouldn't, or is this going to be a team that is going to struggle to get to six wins? Um, I, I think it's going to show us a lot. I mean, um, 
Yeah, I, I really agree with you. I, I think South Carolina is much, much better than they showed in the first three quarters against La Tech. And, you know, they might not be quite as good as that team that came out week one and, you know, beat, you know, went up and down the field on NC State and dominated Missouri. I think it's somewhere kind of in the middle. But, you know, it, it's interesting. I just think South Carolina showed they've got that potential in those first two weeks. Uh, but, again, they've got the potential, you know, also to come out and not like they know what they're doing. So, um it's just going to be really interesting. I will, it's going to be up Will Muschamp, Kurt Roper, T. Rob. They're going to have to do a heck of a coaching job this weekend because um, going into College Station, like we said, in that hostile environment with a young team, getting those guys up to play, making sure everybody's communicating properly, it's, it's going to be really key and really essential if they want to get the victory. Um, so moving into two, you know, some key matchups. Tyler, I'll go with my first one. I think this is probably going to be one of the biggest matchups of the game. And it's a guy that we always like to talk about, but doesn't get talked about too much because he hasn't been targeted. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think that changes Saturday. And that's going to be USC defensive back Rashad Fenton against A&M wide receiver Christian Kirk. Uh, I, I think without a doubt, it's going to be Fenton on Christian Kirk. Rashad, you know, he has that speed. He has that agility. And, you know, obviously Kirk, like we mentioned, is – a big-time playmaker, has the speed and agility. So it's just going to be pivotal to me. You know, I know with Kellen Mond, he's a younger guy. You know, they're going to need to get pressure on him to make it not as easy to get the ball to him. But that's going to be the guy they're going to they're going to get the ball in his hands. So uh, I think it's absolutely pivotal, in my opinion, that Rashad Fenton play, just continue to be, do what he's been doing, you know, play that lockdown defense. But he's going to get his biggest test this weekend for sure. Um, you know, it's hard to say because, you know, I think – they're going to do a ton of these quick throws, you know, just screen passes. And if that's not there, then I think Mon's just going to take off running. So, you know, my, my matchup would be these safeties and linebackers against in, in open field tackling these quick running backs and wide receivers. You know, it's hard to, hard to pinpoint on one of them because I think they're all equally important when you're tackling in the open field. You know, in the SEC on the road, it's super hard. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my first one, I think. They just have to tackle an open field. Whoever is, you know, just step up to the plate and tackle. Absolutely. Yeah, my next matchup, I'm going to go USC center Allen Knott against the Texas A&M linebackers. And what I mean by that, like I mentioned earlier, Texas A&M linebackers have the majority of the sacks this year. It, you know, from what watching the little bit I did of A&M, it looks like they love the blitz. They love to bring the linebackers. They love to create pressure with more than four guys. Um, South Carolina going to be on the road. It's going to be up to Allen Knott to call out the protections, communicate, communicate with Jake Bentley, know what's going on. It's just going to be absolutely pivotal to make sure everybody's in the right position to get, get keep Jake Bentley upright, open holes for the running backs, and be able to make this offense move. Because South Carolina is going to have to score points. They can't do what they did against Louisiana Tech and rely on the defense. A&M is going to get theirs. They're going to absolutely have to score points in this football game to win. I think it's going to be pivotal to rely on a guy, you know, a – a uh, very, you know, experienced guy like Alan Knott to make sure, you know, hey, he's going to be able to call everything out. You know, like I said, put guys in the right position to succeed. So I think Alan Knott anchoring that offensive line uh, against those linebackers would be a huge second matchup for me. Have they – I've been out of the loop. Have they announced whether uh, Corey Helms is playing this weekend or is he still day-to-day? Tomorrow. I think tomorrow is when Will Muschamp said that he would give, the. I think, the official word. Um, I'm not really sure if – Helms has been practicing all that much. He, he's still been day-to-day. Um, and I think they're going to give word on Steven Montak as well. So uh, there was no word that came out today. I just know what I know from Will Muschamp's presser on Tuesday. So if, if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I, I don't think Helms is going to go. It, it's just yeah, tough. See, that's what I was thinking. I was going to take uh, Sidarius Hutchinson. If, he, if, he's, if he's thrust into the starting role for the first time at Kyle Field, that's going to be the most important position on the entire team. 
you know how how he plays. Uh, whoever whoever it is, he'll be he'll be blocking. No, yeah, I absolutely agree. And that that brings it. You bring up a good point there, Tyler, because I was actually listening to some of some of our other uh, South Carolina colleagues, and they were talking about the offensive line. And one thing that I didn't really think about that I didn't notice at the game though was. Uh, for one, Hutcherson looked really good, but the athleticism of the offensive line, it almost seemed like they ran block a little bit better uh, when Hutcherson was in there. And it's no knock on Corey Helms or anything like that, but Sidarius Hutcherson, it seemed like, you know, they got him in there in the inside. You had Malik Young at right tackle. You had uh, Dennis Daly and Donnell Staley on the left side. Alan Knott, very athletic. That was a very athletic group, and it was fun to watch them kind of get around and open the holes and be able to take on these linebackers. So, I feel good about Hutcherson, but I completely agree with you. Going to Kyle Field, getting your first start's a completely different animal. It's not La Tech at home. Um, so, and then my final matchup, Tyler, and this one is sort of an interesting one, but it's going to be USC quarterback Jake Bentley against himself. And really, the, the reason I say that, you know, Jake, this offense has done a pretty decent job of starting pretty quickly, but Jake Bentley has been – a little inconsistent starting out. He's been hot, you know, throws that have been high, been off. You know, he's kind of gotten off some slow starts. He's missed some guys that have been wide open. Um, and the red zone offense has not been good. South Carolina's gotten in the red zone, haven't scored a whole ton, had to settle for field goals. They've missed a lot of those those field goals. Just a lot of different things have happened. I, I think it's going to be, up, you know, very key for Jake Bentley, one, to battle this crowd and keep his composure, but two, to settle down and get things going early, man. I, I mean, there's this just there's just no telling what a you know an opening drive seven, what an opening drive touchdown would do for this team's morale and confidence. I think it makes it a completely different game. Um, Jake's going to have to settle down, settle in, you know, hit the throws he's supposed to make, hit the, hit the wide open guys when you have them, you know, slow the game down, but you know, really just stay within yourself. And I think sometimes Jake sort of tries to be the hero. He doesn't have to be. He sort of feels like there's pressure when there isn't. Um, so I think Jake Bentley staying out of his own head, just keeping things simple, playing football, make the throws you're supposed to make, complete the throws you're supposed to make. Uh, and I think that'll be a huge key for South Carolina. All right, my last one is going to be, you know, out on a limb like yours was. It's not really against the uh, A&M defense here, but I'll take, you know, Tyson Williams versus this is Rico Dowdle versus A.J. Turner because one of them is going to have to solidify the running game. You know, I don't think the three of them are going to, you know, be capable of all three having a good game. You know, one of them is going to have to stand out uh, and take that hot hand. You know, it's been Tyson Williams last – well, never mind, not last two weeks. Uh, two out of the last three weeks because one he didn't get a carry in. Uh, you know, one of them is going to have to step up. A.J. Turner had a good game last year. Um, you know, it'll be Rico and Tyson's first game against him. So we'll see. One of them's going to have to do something. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it's been obviously, like you said, Tyson Williams last week had the hot hand, if you will. And I, I think he'll definitely get the start. Um, Rico sort of been battling. He battled some injuries last week. I'm not sure that he's really that banged up. I'm not sure. But I just think after last week, they're going to give Tyson Williams the uh, the starting nod. And, yeah, like, like we said earlier, you've got to get the run game going. I mean, one, it takes the pressure off Jake Bentley, but two – it helps keep that A&M offense off the field. And, and I mean, like I said, A&M is going to, they're going to try to move fast. They're going to try to get points very, very quickly, you know, keep the defense, you know, South Carolina is already thin on defense. They've, they've lost Bryce Allen Williams. You know, they, they, they're already thin up there and, you know, South Carolina is going to have to be able to sub guys out. They don't have a lot of guys to sub in. So if you can give that defense rest, I mean, that that's going to be, 
huge. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. One of those running backs is going to have to step up. My opinion, it's going to have to be Tyson Williams because I think he's going to get the first chance. Um, but whoever it is, yes, somebody has got to make sure that solidify that running game. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of a given, I guess, and sort of a cliche thing. But, I, I mean, I'll, I'll make the bold prediction before we get in our predictions. If South Carolina has a guy rush for 100 yards, they're going to win the game. I just, yeah, I I'll tell you that right now. If South Carolina can control the line of scrimmage enough where somebody runs for 100, they'll win the football game. Okay. And it seems like that's been the key for South Carolina forever. I mean, just controlling this line of scrimmage and running the football. They can do that. They give themselves a really good shot. Um, moving into the keys of the game, Tyler, my first one, I, I think you'd agree with me, turnovers. Win the turnover battle. Like we said earlier, AM ranks third in the country in forcing 11 turnovers. They've only turned it over three times, even with a freshman quarterback. Um, you got to force turnovers against this type of offense. You know, it sort of goes in, in hand in hand with my second key to the game. But, you know, getting pressure on Kellen Mond, uh, making him make mistakes, man. And if that was something that Eldridge Thompson actually said in an interview this week, he thought, you know, and I hope he can follow up with his words, but he thought that uh, make Mond fold. They could make him fold, um, get pressure on him. He thinks they're going to be able to bring exotic blitzes that he hasn't seen before, get him in some uncomfortable situations. I tend to agree with you. They're going to throw a lot of quick passes. It's going to be a lot of like Louisiana Tech. It's going to be hard to get to the quarterback, but if you can get them in some second and third and longs where we know, you know, he – South Carolina knows he's throwing. You got to just force Mon into some, into some bad decisions and some bad throws. And that's something that South Carolina defense has been very, very good at since Will Muschamp was hired as head coach, forcing those turnovers. Continue this weekend. Yep, agree 100%. Um, you know, my, my first key of the game is exactly what I just said a second in, you know, solidifying that run game. Because, you know, if you give Texas A&M all this time on the field, you know, South Carolina's defense is going to be gassed like immediately. So, you know, if we don't get a running game going, it's going to be hard, you know, to keep up. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, I said turnovers, it's more so even winning the turnover battle, um, you know, force more than you give up. And, and that, that to me is just going to be a huge, huge part of the game, especially on the road. That's always big on the road. Um, my second key, I won't talk about too much because I literally just said it, get pressure on Kellen Mon, make him make mistakes, get in his face, you know, um, just force him in uncomfortable situations. But my final key to the game, Tyler, and you could chime in, like I said earlier, come out fast. Jake Bentley, be accurate early. Take the crowd out of the game. Kyle Field's going to be rocking. It's a night game. Um, they're, they're always a really good crowd. It's 100,000-plus. Take them out of the game. Get ahead. Stay ahead. And, you know, uh, get yourself a W. I mean, South Carolina's done a pretty good job on the first drive of every single game, getting a touchdown or, you know, getting something going. Um NC State, they had a kickoff turn for a touchdown, then literally marched right down the field and scored. Missouri marched right down the field, missed Hayden Hurst on what should have been a touchdown in the opening drive, missed a field goal, but still marched right down the field. Uh, Kentucky, first play of the game, touchdown. And Louisiana Tech marched right down the field again, <laughs> missed a field goal. So c- convert. Yeah, exact. Convert when you have points. And I think that could be another key, you know, we can talk about in a second. But come out fast. Like I said, Jake Bentley hit the throws you're supposed to hit. Build yourself some momentum. Take you know, calm the crowd down and uh, make life a little bit easier on yourself. Yeah, my last one's gonna be you know, stay out of this third and long. Uh, it's gonna be you know, almost impossible to to try and come up with a play, you know, at Kyle Field for for third and twelve. You know, it's gonna be really difficult. You know, and staying out of that's gonna be you know, all these offensive linemen these first couple series. You know, don't don't false start. I mean, that, that bit South Carolina so much against Kentucky, and that was at home. And these young guys are just going to have to 
you know, grow up a little bit and just, you know, third and 12 is going to be almost a death sentence, I think, in this game. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And it's really funny you mentioned that about the Kentucky game because, you know, in the first two games of the year, I mean, one of them, like we said, was a neutral site, but still wasn't at home. And then Missouri, which was a true road game, South Carolina played really, really disciplined, clean football. Not really not a lot of false, you know, I don't think there were really any false starts that I can really think of. Um, not a lot of stupid penalties. South Carolina comes home and penalties everywhere. Just a lot of dumb, dumb mistakes. I almost wonder, I mean, it seems like crazy logic, but maybe South Carolina is going to be a little more disciplined on the road. I mean, when they're using the hand signals and, you know, you can't really hear anything, you're going straight off of, you know, uh, first movement or whatever, or going off of movement from your quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know. It's something to kind of chew on. It's something that, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens, but it's, it seems like South Carolina has been a little bit more disciplined on the road this year, this year so far, which is something I don't think either one of us would have, would have ever expected. Um, but I'm actually going to add one. Another key to the game is red zone, red zone, red zone, red zone. Offensively and defensively, when A&M gets in the red zone, that bimba don't break, holding them to three, holding them out of it, trying to force a turnover. You have got to score seven when you get in the red zone. And you at least have to come away with points. Like we said, you know, Parker White hitting the game winner last week. The hope is that's really going to, you know, springboard him into, you know, building his confidence tremendously, being able to make all, you know, the majority of his kicks, you know, be a solid, reliable option, not missing 31 yarders, obviously. So just the red zone, whoever's winning that battle of, you know, whoever can get touchdowns and hold the other field goals, that's going to be huge to me. And South Carolina just, they they can't squander opportunities in the red zone like that. I just, I just don't, they're, they're not going to beat really anybody, but they're certainly not going to win this game doing that. Yeah. 10 million percent agree. So with that being said, we're going to move to one of our favorite parts of the show, and it's going to be our predictions. So Tyler, I always make you go first. So I will actually go first this week. So this is an interesting game. Um, South Carolina's three and one, A&M's three and one, like we said, at Kyle Field, a night game. Um, I have not picked South Carolina to lose yet this season. Um, even with the Kentucky game, I picked <laughs> an outrageous 41-10 <laughs> score that did not that did not follow through last week. I think I had like 31-17 or something. But I haven't picked South Carolina to lose. I've been right three of the four times. But I, I think this game this game's really hard to get a read on for me. Um, I don't feel good about the fact South Carolina has never beaten Texas A&M. I don't feel good about the fact it's in Kyle Field. <sighs> like the way South Carolina has looked the last two weeks. I will say this. I don't understand because I've been, you know, I, I do scan the internet and I go through some of the some of the message boards and I feel like Tyler, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the kind of the mindset of the fan base is, oh, we're gonna get killed this weekend. We don't really have a chance. You know, yeah. Texas AM yeah. gonna go up and oh, go up and down the field on us. You know, it's not really gonna be close. And you know, my, my only rebuttal to that would be, you know, to me personally, I, I just feel like people are forgetting this this Texas AM team is is a mess. I mean, I know they had the win over Arkansas. Yes, congratulations. But, I mean, it's a team that was losing 14 nothing to Nickel State. It's a team that was losing at halftime to Louisiana Lafayette, both at home. I understand what South Carolina did against Louisiana Tech, but I, I think Texas a is catching a lot of credit that's undeserved. However, I will say, I, you know, I think Jake Bentley, they give up 300 passing yards per game. I think he's going to have an absolute field day. At least he should. Um 
I think, you know, South Carolina is going to continue to use Tyson Williams, get him going, establish a running game. Um, however, I, I just do think right now from what we've seen from Texas A&M, from South Carolina, I'm going to predict South Carolina catch – I'm going to at least predict on my end my first loss for South Carolina. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. It's a game – it's a 50-50 literally coin toss I could see going either way. I think it's a hard-fought game to the end. I think – South Carolina covers the nine-point spread but loses the game 31 to 28 Texas A&M. That's a close game. I don't I don't think it, I don't think it's going to be as close. Um, you know, I have the same kind of feelings you do. Uh Kellen Mond being able to run really terrifies me and that mixed with that they actually have three decent running backs and uh South Carolina historically is not very good against any team that has more than one running back that's uh that's capable. Um yeah, I, I don't think South Carolina's going to be able to score that many points on the road here. Uh, you know, two years ago, they actually didn't even play that bad. Perry Orth had a really good game, uh, which which kind of makes me want to feel better about the game. Had the 60-yard run we talked to him about. Right. And <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen this time. I don't know where it's going to go wrong, but I just had that feeling inside. So, I will pick Texas A&M to cover 28-14. Uh, to 14. Definitely yeah. don't think we're going to kick a field goal and make one. <laughs> I don't yeah. think we'll even attempt one, actually. Yeah, That'll be my I'm bold t- call. <laughs> you don't think we'll attempt one? I don't think we'll attempt a field goal in the entire game. Well, if you get down enough, I'm not sure it would be a good idea to. That's but true. I'm, I'm sort of taking a little bit of reverse psychology, if you will. I'm trying to see pick, if see if picking South Carolina to lose a result in a win. So go prove me well, wrong. You just ruined that me. there. I, well, I, I think it's still – my prediction stands. So I, yeah. I think I'm – I'm said either way, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, like I said, it's a, it's a coin flip game. And I'll tell you this, it's, it's really interesting to me because I think if Texas A&M would have lost Arkansas, I think the the narrative's completely different. I, I really do. I, even though they scored 50 points or whatever, they'd have lost that game. They were two and two. And I mean, cause Kevin someone would be catching fire all week and you know, that, that would be kind of the focus. And I, I don't know. I think a lot of people will be picking South Carolina, but especially with the way they looked against Louisiana tech, build off what they did in the fourth quarter and really start to get things going on offense. I think they have a good chance to win, but I, I think just right now off, off of what we've seen, I think you have to, you kind of have to roll with Texas A&M in this one, especially, especially at home at night. That's a tough place to play and a tough place to win. So hopefully South Carolina proves us wrong. But with that being said, we're going to move into listener questions as always. Um, this first one comes from Twitter at Dobie Juan Kenobi. Uh, he tweeted to us, if South Carolina beats Texas A&M, Will the Kentucky loss sting less? Let's be honest. No one expects us to be 5-0 and at the start of the season. Um, Tyler, I'll let you take that one first. That is a uh, good question. <laughs> I actually don't know how I'd feel after, after beating a Texas A&M team for the first time ever. Uh, but, yeah, no one expected South Carolina to be 5-0, and especially, especially me because, you know, in my preseason article, I had, I had initially, when I, was, when I was doing the research, I had South Carolina 4-0. And I was like, there's no way. So I went back and predicted a loss to NC State, but I already had a loss to A&M. So I, I had so a – So you had right at three and two then. Right. I had us at three and two. So four and one would 100%, you know, blow my expectations away. And I think going four and one into a home game against an Arkansas team that no one really thinks a lot of, um, yeah, I will completely forget about Kentucky if South Carolina beats Texas A&M on the road at night. Yeah, I was going to say, this is an interesting one. I really I really like the question. We appreciate it. 
Um, I'm not sure that it'll sting when it's brought up, but I think it'll just be forgotten much quicker. Uh, I will completely I, I just emotionally forget <laughs> about it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, emotionally I'll let it go, but it'll still be kind of one of those things like, I don't want to talk about it, but definitely it'll help South Carolina fans get over it for sure. And kind of, like I said, kind of, you know, it's, it's in the past kind of out of, out of sight, out of mind, if you will. Um, yeah. A Texas A&M win would be huge though. And that was something that I think was really interesting. Another storyline of this game is that, you know, you, you know, you think that you kind of got one stolen from you at home. Can you go on the road and steal one from somebody else? I, I mean, that's, you know, that'll be interesting to see. So uh, one of our armchair writers, actually, Stephen Cabrera, our Florida armchair writer, uh, he asked a question, how much do you think a loss from to South Carolina further determines someone's future? Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, Tyler. I, <laughs> I think a loss I think a loss to South Carolina, I, I think it's pretty much already determined what's going to happen. I, I just can't see yeah. a world where Texas a and is going to keep him. Because, I mean, they're not going to beat Alabama. Like I said, they're probably not going to beat LSU. I don't know what will happen against teams like Mississippi State, Ole Miss, whatever, but a loss to South Carolina would be this. I think he has to win this game to even have a shot to keep his job, and I think there's only like a 10% chance already at that point. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, last question comes from Reddit, the biggest and the baddest, or the biggest and baddest. What's a realistic projection for the rest of the season? I mean, we lost our studs for offense and defense. Is it likely we'll get to a bowl game this year, Tyler? Oh, man. I like I like South Carolina's odds going to a bowl game. I don't think it'll be a particularly good bowl game, um, but what do you you have to beat three teams for the rest of the year? Yeah, and you've got I was gonna say you've got Wofford, you've got, you've got Vanderbilt. Teams. You're at five there, right? And yeah, I agree 100. percent I think South Carolina will beat either A and M, Florida, Arkansas, or Tennessee. South Carolina will easily win one of those games. So you know, yeah, just assuming that they take Wofford and. Uh, and Vanderbilt, yeah, South Carolina will be returning to postseason play. It's funny you said assume they'll beat Vanderbilt. It's like, whew. Yeah, I'm not man, saying we, that. We've but. had some close ones with those guys. I mean, I think we'll win too, but it's like, man, those games are always too close for comfort. Yeah, I, I just think South Carolina fans are kind of – they're overreacting right now. I understand what happened against Louisiana Tech, but like I said, like we said before, Every team, every good team in college football has those kind of games where they sort of lay an egg and don't really show up and whatever. But like you said, I mean, you have five wins with uh, Wofford and Vanderbilt, and you're talking about Arkansas, Tennessee, Florida, Texas A&M. I I mean, think of all those teams and where those teams are at right now and the problems those teams have. South Carolina is going to win at least one more of those games. I just – and honestly, it, the only way to me, Tyler, South Carolina wouldn't win at least one of those games. I mean, the wheels would have to fall off. Oh yeah, someone would get and fired if South Kurt Carolina. Kurt Roper would not have a job. Eight. Yeah, someone would get fired Kurt, if South Carolina yeah. four and eight. And honestly, I think a four and eight, five and seven type season, there'd be grumblings about Will Muschamp too. Yeah, I, I just agree. I can't see it. This this team has too much talent to go to not make a bowl game. I, I mean, I really do. Even though if they haven't played up to their you know, the expectations and potential. This team has still got a lot of talent on the offensive side of the football. It might be young, but guys like – Yeah, on defense too. And and guys like Ortre Smith on offense and even Tyson Williams and Brian Edwards and Randrick Davis, they're only going to get better. And Jake Bentley's only going to get better. And and Sidarius Hutcherson on the offensive line, he's only going to get better. And then on the defensive side, DJ Wanham, Keir uh, Keir Thomas and Brad Johnson and Aaron Sterling – 
those guys are only going to get better. And you get Zach Bailey back in a couple um, weeks. So, I mean, that'll exactly. definitely make the offensive line better. And I don't think Corey Helms is going to be one of these injuries where he's out three, four weeks. I, yeah. I mean, I, there's a good chance, honestly. I mean, I think it's to the point, you know, because Will Muschamp actually said, you know, he's a really tough dude. I mean, if, if Corey Helms can't play Saturday, it really is hurt. So, I think it's kind of the point where if they can wrap it up and he can go, he's going to go. So, yeah. um, I'm not freaking out yet. No, as no I'm not I to freak out on Saturday. You know, I'm not freaking out yet. Uh, if South Carolina loses to A&M and Arkansas, I'll start freaking out. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, you can't lose both of those. Um, man, I'd love to beat A&M. I, I was at the 2000 I, – I was at the – I've been – well, excuse me. I was at the 2014 and 2016 games. Games. Yeah, and, God, it's just something – I don't know what it is. It's something about A&M, but, man, I would love to beat them. <laughs> yeah, something about the only SEC team South Carolina hasn't beaten. So and that's you know even if it's just a regular you know conference win, it has it has program bearings. Yeah, absolutely. And that that was I was just kind of touching on just a second ago. That's one thing we didn't really talk about. Well, Muschamp had said that guys like uh, you know Brad Johnson, Aaron Sterling, going to have bigger roles this this weekend. I, I'm very interested to see how they use you know a guy like Brad Johnson because he was a guy that was obviously extremely hyped in the recruiting process and you know has a lot of talent, but hasn't seen the field a whole ton this year. Um, also, you get Dante Sawyer back, so um, I, I really think their plan is to make life hell for Kellen Mond. I, right. I just and I think that's how you're going to win the game. Um, you know, getting him obviously in uncomfortable situations. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I will say I feel really good that we have Will Muschamp down at this defense. So, but it's you know, I, I think depth is going to play another huge factor as far as you know because they're going to try to move quick and you know you you don't have a lot of guys in the secondary that are backing up your starters. So. It's going to be another thing. Hopefully, Steven Montag can go. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Steven Montag can go. It would be really good um, to see him back on the field. Yeah, absolutely. But with that being said, a little bit of post-show. Like I said, Tyler, there's a lot of good games this weekend. Um, starts tomorrow night with Texas-Iowa State. Friday, you've got um, Southern Cal going to Washington State, which is a game that's been extremely hyped up by a lot of people. But two undefeateds there. And then the SEC, you got some interesting ones. I think the most intriguing game is probably Georgia, Georgia-Tennessee. Going to Knoxville, a Tennessee team that everybody's claiming is dead. Everyone's claiming is really, you know, down and out. But, man, it seems like these are the kind of games where Tennessee gives Georgia the most trouble and gives, you know, Neyland has not been a place to the Georgia Bulldogs. So, I'm really interested to, you know, see. I'm really glad that's a 330 game and we get to watch it. I'll say that much. Yeah. So, I think that Georgia is going to win by multiple scores easily i don't i think tennessee's terrible dude i tend to agree no i tend to agree with you but it, it's it's a very it's a very intriguing game for not so much even the reason the score the, the outcome it's like butch jones that factor he's on the hot seat. there's a lot of sec coaches right now on the hot seat i mean there's there's a ton so um, i'm in a group chat right now talking to people and uh one of my best friends is a tennessee fan he he just wants to you know get smoked so butch jones can get fired and they can start over again <laughs> hey not not bad logic oh i got a bonus question for you tyler in regards to texas a&m i hey, did you go to either did you go to the game last year or the game in 2004? i went to the game last year and last i was year. out there for the 14 game okay okay got you what all right i don't know how much you know about texas a&m but i'm gonna see how much you know because i want to i want to see if your answer is the same as mine most annoying Texas A&M tradition is oh those freaking yelling people. What are they called? What are they called? <laughs> Thank you. The, the yell leaders. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> probably the most absurd, ridiculous. 
outrageous thing I've ever seen. Yeah, we talked about it last year uh, in one of my history classes, actually, because uh, they went to the state house grounds and did their stupid little practice. And, Yell practice. Yeah, yeah, that's just stupid. You don't go into someone else's city and kind of just take over someone's you know, state house. That's in the middle of Columbia. Yeah, they did that in 2014, too. And I remember because uh, I was sitting in the end zone, the uh, the south end zone, and, you know, c- kind of the middle, but you could obviously clearly see the uh, the visiting section and the yell leaders. And, and honestly, I just would sit there and, like, watch. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Yeah, I, stood, I sat in the upper deck last year, and there were a ton of Texas A&M fans. I mean, they were good people. I don't I don't think they were, you know, disrespectful as, like, Georgia fans or somebody. God, they're just loud and obnoxious, which is good for them. Yeah, we've uh, – it, it's funny. I was able to have a little – you know, we've got Shelby War, who's our Texas A&M writer at Armchair, and uh, I, I've been giving her a li- little bit of crap here and there because, I mean, they listen, I'm like, Texas A&M fans, you're a different breed. Texas A&M's a different breed. And it's funny. We had Tyler King chime in, who's our Texas writer, and he – he definitely agreed with me. So, um, <laughs> going to be interesting. Like I said, I, it, I will say Kyle Field is somewhere I'd, I'd love to go visit and check out. Unfortunately, won't be able to make make the trip this year. I think it's like a sixteen hour drive, and then holy crap! Yeah, I couldn't get the flight either. So, you know, going to be watching the TV, but definitely be a fun place to go. And it's a huge stadium too. So, um, but with that being said, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Again, as always, be sure to follow us or check us out on the Spurs Up. Uh, I can't even get it out, Tyler, on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Go there, rate, subscribe, tell us you like, tell us you don't like, tell me to be able to pronounce things and, and read things off correctly. Um, go to Twitter, follow us at Armchair S Car, at Armchair S C A R, on Instagram at Armchair S Carolina. Uh, and also go to armchairallamericans.com, check out the Breaking Gamecock news, all of our coverage, content, and the show as well. So, with that being said, that's going to be pretty much wrap it up, Tyler. You got any last words? No last words. All right, well, my last words, go Cox, beat A&M. Um, but with that being said, again, we appreciate you guys listening as always. We will come back next week when we recap the game, the Gamecocks game against the Texas A&M Aggies. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time.